welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends, a weekly podcast from your friends at MI6HQ. James Bond is on assignment this week, so I'm your interim host, Paul Atkinson. And this week, I'm joined by Warren Ringham, Ben Williams, David Lee, and Bill Koenig. Could you introduce yourselves, please? Hi, my name is Warren Ringham. I run Cue the Music Show, the definitive tribute to James Bond music, performing at private events and theatre shows, touring with our James Bond concert spectacular. Hi, I'm Ben Williams. I write for mi6hq.com and mi6 Confidential. Hi there, this is David Lee. I run the James Bond dossier and I am author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond. And I'm Bill Koenig. I run a blog called The Spy Command, of which James Bond is a probably the overwhelming portion of it. Thanks, everyone. So this week, we wanted to impose a bit of structure on uh, the Madhouse. And this is this is an idea which, full credit to uh, David for cooking up, but we want to uh, we want to recast or re remake the Shaken and Stirred tribute album that David Arnold oversaw before he became uh, the composer of Note and the Brosnan and early Craig eras, where he pulled together a number of disparate artists and interesting people to uh, re-record a number of classic Bond cues. Not always, um, not always the main themes that you would think of, but hopefully we'll enlist some interesting artists to perform some uh, some of the lesser heard uh, James Bond songs and themes and cues. We're going to do it in a in a sort of a round robin style or a draft style, which means that I'm going to call on each panelist in turn to uh, suggest an artist and a song for them to perform, and we might even play a little bit of that artist in the interim and uh, talk about our choices. All choices are good choices, but once a panelist has made a choice of an artist and a song, we'll take them off the table, and the next panelist will have to quickly cook up something else. We've randomised the list of participants, so in all fairness, the or- the running order of this will be. Warren, Bill, Ben, and David. So each one will suggest one track in turn, and we'll get through maybe two or three rounds, depending on how much time we've got. That leaves me to say, any questions? Is everyone clear on the instructions and rules? <laughs> yes. I don't. I don't think anyone's clear whatsoever. Uh, I think it's taken us a week of of trying to be clear about it, but I think it's just going to be some sort of semi-organized chaos. Uh, that, that was the plan when I had I'm the idea. That's what we do best. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want a nice smooth podcast right. talking about music. We want we want anarchy here. I'll do my best. Yeah. So this is the. Sorry, Warren. This is the uh, the appearance of structure. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the madhouse. And with that, I'll hand over to you to talk about your first track. <laughs> well, as it's a madhouse, I'm probably going to go with a slightly left field choice. Uh, to kick off and it's I don't know whether it's a left field or whether it's an obvious one but the more I justified it in my head the more that I was determined that it was the right one and I wanted to go straight up and put David Arnold himself forward as a performer because I've lucky enough and I'm sure you guys as well have but I've been lucky enough to hear him actually perform a few times and he's an absolutely brilliant singer and performer as well as composer and the song that I thought I had in mind for him was actually Writings on the Wall, because I think it's a really, really underrated song. I think that um, in the Bond community, there's quite a lot of negativity towards the actual song. And, and I think that people fail to disconnect their maybe their dislike of uh, Sam Smith's performance with the actual song. And. I think that David Arnold would do an absolutely brilliant job. And there's, um, I know that he recorded a song called uh, No Good About Goodbye, which Shirley Bassey performed. And it was kind of written after uh, Quantum of Solace with that in mind. There's a recording on the internet of him singing that song. And it just kind of, and I was sort of looking for inspiration. I came across it and I thought, you know what? With that in mind, I think he would do a really interesting job with writings on the wall and turn around people's opinion of it of a, of a brilliant song. Yeah, it's a good. That's a, a very good suggestion. Do you think that David would do as much of the falsetto that Sam Smith did, or that he might just per- come at it in a different direction? I think he'd drop the key actually and do it less falsetto. But he he can sing up there. Um, I've got a little clip. Do you want to hear a little clip of him singing? This no good about absolutely indeed we do yeah. yeah all right here we go where is the solace that I crave one that would haunt me to my grave too broken to forgive too painful to relive now 
There may be other arms to hold They'll only keep me from the cold A simple thing to say The past won't go away So there you go, a little sample of him singing that song. And as you can, do you know, I'm I'm really surprised, Warren. Uh, I I never had uh, I never had, uh, even had a clue that he could sing. I've heard him a few times. He's really really good. He does that song yeah, yeah. Um, from the world is not enough. Only myself to blame, which is on the soundtrack, but not in the film. Um, and he performs that quite a lot. And and that's amazing when he does that as well. Well, and the whole point of, a, of an album like Shaken and Stirred or Shaken Not Stirred is that, you know, you're supposed to have, you know, rethinking, reimagining. So just by having just by having David sing the song will, you know, that qualifies immediately. <laughs> and and as Warren said, a lot of fans don't like the song. So let's yeah. you know, let's, let's get but, a new version. Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me, the main problem with the song that I found and similar to, to Skyfall that it was overproduced and uh, I, I just uh, think that it, it could have been better than it actually was. But uh, um, I think David Arnold uh, doing that is a great idea, actually, yeah. It's fantastic because you think that when I think of um, composers who who write music for a variety of different voices and artists, I think people like Bert Bacharach, and I think he couldn't really sing, could he? He somehow managed to get away with it, but he couldn't really sing. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he yeah. sang well enough to make cameo appearances in movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pierce Brosnan was in Mamma Mia, so, you know, the bar's barely low. <laughs> you haven't heard me sing. And you're not going to. <laughs> the other impressive thing about about that track that you just played for us, Warren, was that he, you know, he was writing with Shirley Bassey in mind, but he also can hold it, hold it himself as well, like make it his own. Yeah. And you can imagine he can quite often be found performing at the at any of these kind of Q and As that he does. He'll often do an acoustic song or something like that, just with piano and. He's just such a natural performer as well as a genius composer. I mean, it really, it shouldn't have been such a surprise that he can sing as well, should it? Well, no, but then it doesn't necessarily follow that composers can sing like that. But what's interesting about him is that he can sing up high and he doesn't do it in that where he switches the voice to the falsetto like Sam Smith does. It has a bit more um, power to it, even though he's singing quite high in that clip he's singing it from his chest rather than up in his head like Sam Smith does. So it doesn't sound quite so, so kind of, I don't want to say wimpy, but that's, I think that's what people's criticism of Sam Smith. They don't like his voice being up there, but I don't think, I don't think people would have the same opinion about that performance of David Arnold. Before we move on to uh, Bill, I think, um, Warren, what do you do when you perform writings on the wall? What sort of, twist do you put on it well the first thing i do is i make damn sure that i'm not the one that sings it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do it with a female voice actually our singer kerry from pretty much the first time we heard it we were both like that should be for a female voice and the difference is that like i was saying before when you switch it onto a female voice you can sing it lower in the body so you can put more power through it and actually it's very flattering, but whenever people see the show, they always come out saying, I didn't really like that song, but I really liked hearing your version of it and, and it's changed my opinion on it. And that takes me back to my point that it is a great song. It's just that people can't detach their uh, opinion on it from their feeling about Sam Smith singing it. But we always get a really, really good reception with with Kerry singing it. I always really enjoyed the instrumental 
version of it that sort of bounces around the soundtrack a little bit and it's been a little while since uh, uh, a theme was so tightly integrated with the score you know there was almost nothing to speak of it in skyfall and quantum of solace yeah and, and that's that i think that makes a big difference to people's opinion on the song because when it's threaded through the movie then i think it deepens the emotional connection with the film and the song yeah absolutely casino royale did that mm. excellently yeah right and that was the last time uh, they did that because um, because that was the last time that the composer was involved in the song since then exactly the composer yes. hasn't been involved so they haven't been able to get it into the score i don't think right just just briefly um on that count i mean on social media this week someone said would you prefer this or this for the title song and i i replied like i don't really have much enthusiasm either way just because it's so separated from the score yeah. i mean it, it used to be part of like a unified whole and now it's to me the title songs now are more like part of the marketing than than integral to the film itself yeah it, it's a massive mistake i think I, I i really hope that they return to that but i think it's unlikely to happen until the two things the composer and the whoever's performing the song have some kind of integration i don't see us going back to that right it's interesting when you look at no good about goodbye and how it takes you know the motif and and uses that and so obviously you know the, the official word is is that it was never was written later or it was never considered or whatever. But I, you know, I've seen there's YouTube clips of where they, they overlay it over the uh, introduction. And I think it works really well. It would have been a really lovely song to have had play for Quantum of Solace. And, and just kind of reiterating what you guys are saying is because it ties in and has the emotional resonance through the rest of the score. And also real quickly, there were, there were two films in the Bond series where the composer did not work on the title song, but still integrated the title song very smoothly in the score. One was from Russia with Love. And, you know, there was John Barry getting to do his first Bond score. And he he weaved the Lionel Bart title song into his score, and it worked out really well. And another was Live and Let Die, where, like, George Martin did not write the song, but he helped Paul McCartney orchestrate it and produce the demo and all that stuff. So he knew the song very well, and he then integrated the the main title song into his score for the movie. And I think it works out pretty well. Yeah, I th- write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. I think those yeah. two are, are those two do have that link though, because they still had some involvement. And in the last films, they've had none at all, have they? I mean, I. I I got chatting to David Arnold once and, and he was telling me about Quantum of Solace. He literally just got another way to die as pretty much a finished version. It was just like, there you go. That's, that's the song. So he had no involvement of it at all. He literally got, got pretty much the end version of it. So it was impossible for him to incorporate it. Right. It sort of doesn't have the same style either. Does it that lends itself to being instrumentalized? No, no, absolutely. All right, let's turn to Bill. What have you got for us? Well, I was thinking about the following. In 1964, when the Goldfinger song was being written, they did a demo where Anthony Newley was one of the the writers of the lyrics. I guess it was a demo. So he did a, a version of it to a much different orchestration, much smaller set of uh, instruments. And so when the subject came up, I thought, what if Tony Bennett sang Goldfinger, but something more akin to that, um, that demo as opposed to the big Shirley Bassey sound. And again, going back to this idea of, of the album, it's supposed to be kind of like a different take. And I think Tony Bennett could handle that. He has shown an ability to work with different artists, you know, doing duets with you know, much younger artists. And, um, you know, I think it would be, I think it'd be interesting, again, not trying to compete with Shirley Bassey, but more something akin to that uh, Anthony New, eh, Anthony Newley demo. Right. Yeah, no, I can, I can, I can almost picture it in my brain. I can hear the sort of like, the much more cruisy nature of his, his, his song style. And I think that's one of the things that mentioned him and Frank Sinatra in the same breath, but um 
where like they do things to classic songs or to songs that you know really well that you just didn't expect before. Like they'll take beats and pauses in places where you don't necessarily expect them to. And so it kind of adds a little twist to a song that you wouldn't otherwise get. I defer to Warren, who's actually the musician. <laughs> what I'm envisioning is not, you know, just taking that Anthony Newley arrangement, you know, cut and paste, but, you know, you probably want to work with an arranger that Bennett's comfortable with. But, uh, you know, so, so in other words, it would not be a clone of that. But, you know, something, you know, I, I keep thinking about that. So that's that's my first choice for the podcast. Gold finger He's the man The man with the Midas touch A spider's touch Such a cold finger Beckons you Quirky yeah, and Shirley Bassey, and that's uh, saying something. Is it, it's quite something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I quite, quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's yeah, a different a very, take. very different take, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, weirdly, weirdly good. That song didn't surface until the early 90s. And, and I first heard it was part of a CD, a two CD set. Uh, one CD had all the title songs up to that point, and then the second CD had like alter, alternative versions of songs, some underscore that had not been previously released on soundtrack albums. Uh, like I had never, I didn't even, I had no inkling that recording existed until 1992. I'll tell you one thing wow. though, if you took it exactly as it is there and, and put it as an extra track on that shaken, not stirred album, it would probably fit in pretty well, actually. Just like that. Right. And, and that's what got me thinking about, um, obviously, Anthony Newley isn't available. So uh, that's what got me thinking about uh, Tony Bennett. So. We better get in quick. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Any other thoughts about the Goldfinger? Anybody else? Did anyone else pick Goldfinger as one of their selections? Of the, has anyone's? I, I, didn't, I didn't pick Goldfinger because uh, I thought it was – for one thing, it's not on the original album because it was considered to be too classic to touch. But on the other hand, I thought it's one of the – because it is such a classic, I thought somebody else might pick it, so I avoided it. And plus, I couldn't think of a good match. I also think it's uh, – it always makes me think of Peter Serafinowicz <laughs> doing Ringo Star Remembers, having written – the Goldfinger track, which is which is quite hilarious. People should check that out on YouTube. Um, we maybe will insert a, a little clip of of it. I don't know, but the the, the, the last line is fantastic. Of course, it took me six, six years to write. So unfortunately, it's all come and gone. And um, when they asked me, did I want to write the theme tune for the new Bond movie? Well, I jumped at the chance. <laughs> Damn, I hate when that happens. Yeah, just uh, so I, 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 that for some reason, whilst I've been thinking about all these these different tracks, I've just had Peter Serafellowitz doing Ringo Starr going Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, going, going through my head the whole time. Speaking of the film coming and going, David Arnold knows how it feels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right.
Shall we move on to Ben? Have you got a suggestion for us? What are we going to put on the album? It's my turn, and how how frightening. I can't deny that I've been a bit nervous about this. Um, No, Ben, you can't be nervous. Don't be nervous. I I can be nervous. Um, Don't don't be nervous. Okay, you can be nervous, but don't be nervous. Whatever answer you give is the right answer. So go ahead. That's true, true, I suppose. Um, So the artist that I'm going to pick is an artist that a lot of people say things like, oh, I've been into them for so long and, you know, I knew them when they were doing this, that and the other. I've, I've got to confess, this is an artist that I'm pretty late to the to the game on. Um, and it's an artist called Amanda Palmer. Ah, um, yes. <laughs> cool. Previously of Dresden. Uh, Amanda, Amanda fucking Palmer. Amanda fucking Palmer. Um, and I've only recently got into her i'll I'll confess my my girlfriend got me into her been listening to her a lot recently um and i fucking love her she's amazing um and so the song that i was thinking that she could do would be diamonds of forever it's got it's a kind of i think it suits her vocal style i think you know with she's a fantastic pianist as well and it's it's also slightly don't need men so kind of kind of pertinent in in that respect uh, not that she doesn't need men. Um, she's uh, very happily married, I, I believe, to uh, Neil Gaiman. But uh, the the song that I was going to say would work as a, as an example of her style. So if you, somebody wanted to to put this into um, onto the podcast, uh, it's a song called "Grown Man Cry," which I, I think would work really really nicely. It kind of demonstrate her her ability and her style to to do "Diamonds of Forever." Is it? Uh, as it could be done. Um, she's she's a phenomenal artist. If you don't know her, as I didn't, uh, I thoroughly recommend checking her out. Um, dress and dolls are amazing, um, and the solo stuff is fantastic as well. Um, and yeah, that's all I can say. When I can hear the door slam I know the face you're making And I really want to talk to you I really, really wanted to But once you get your mind made up There is no getting through to you For a while it was touching For a while it was challenging Before it became typical And now it really isn't interesting To see a Apologies. No, 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 no. We might still have have time for the bring out your dead round, where you get to admit mm-hmm. to your your first choices <laughs> that was stolen from you. No, that, that was that was a good one. That was a good oh, one. Yeah, thank you. Um, as, as I say, I mean, she's quite a versatile performer, so I don't I don't necessarily say that that track is particularly um, indicative of, of her her style. Uh, but please, people, do check her out. Will do. I will re-dip into that well again. Um, that was more electronic yeah. than I was imagining for her her style, but could sort of see it working with like you know with Diamonds Are Forever. Did anyone have any final thoughts about Diamonds Are Forever or Amanda Palmer as as our cover artist? Well, I I think really really good choice, really good choice. Apart from the fact that you nicked my song, I, I should say I picked that song because Diamonds I think is is a really brilliantly written song it's iconic as well with you know so it's very difficult to, to pick an artist who's going to be able to take over from Shirley Bassey it's not an easy one to do yeah. but I think it's a great track I think it's very um empowering for women in a sense of like just not I mean I know it's you could argue that it's um a, a little bit capitalist I suppose but 
but it's it's very kind of a, a song of, of of independence, and I think that's something you don't genuinely generally find in in Bond songs. It tends to be how great Bond is, or is it written by a dude for a woman though? <laughs> uh, isn't isn't fucking everything? <laughs> um, sorry, I'll rephrase that. Uh, quite possibly, yes. Um, yeah, I no, I think your first one is the one that's staying in the cut, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So any of the um, any of the three songs by Shirley Bassey are really difficult to put in as a cover because she sings it probably more so than any other of the artists that have done the Bond song. She sings it in such a unique way. She's got such a unique style that I think that's why they probably avoided covering those ones because it's it's really difficult to do it and, and and for people to accept it, I think. Don't worry, we'll boldly go where no David Arnold has gone before. <laughs> not to not to have any spoilers, but I just thought before we move on, a straw poll of everyone's favourite Bassy Bond theme. I reckon diamonds. Diamonds for me. Yeah. Gonna I'm you know, if it's not no good about goodbye, it's it's diamonds. <laughs> oh, I'll be the stick in the mud and saying Goldfinger. Okay, and I'll round it out because I like Moonraker. Excellent. Moonraker is good. There you go. They're, they're all good. They are all good. Yeah. I think probably because I just haven't heard Moonraker a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, that, that's part of the problem with Goldfinger. It's a great song, but it's, it's a bit like the film. <laughs> and on that note, David, tell us, tell us your... Uh... Okay, well, I am going to go back in my late teens and so on i was very very heavily into music this is kind of 84 85 and uh, one of the big influences at that time in life was the the whole goth music scene so i decided to go with uh, the, the godfather of goth Peter Murphy, who was the singer of Bauhaus, he he's produced, I don't know, probably about 10 albums uh, post-Bauhaus, uh, I think most recently in 2014. I've seen him a few times as well, both in Bauhaus and solo. And the song that I... The song that I've picked is called Crowds, which is very, very atypical of Bauhaus. It's not, uh, it's not really... Um, uh, it's quite very, very different to most of their stuff, but for... Uh, we have all the time in the world. I think it it kind of illustrates uh, what he's capable of quite well. So I'd like to go with that. Sam, you pick mine. <laughs> Serves you right. <laughs> and this is why I suggested you had a YouTube clip handy because I have no anchor or no knowledge of this musical style or this person, David. So uh, I'm probably showing my youth. <laughs> What do you want of me? What do you long from me? A slim pixie, thin and forlorn A count, white and drawn What do you make of me? What can you take from me? Pallid landscapes of my frown that make the up and down For you I came to forsake They white despise and hate I sing you my lamented songs For you and your Take what you can of me Rip what you can of me And this I'll say to you And hope that it gets through You worthless bits You fickle shits You will spit on me You will make me spit And when the Judas hour arrives And like the Jesus you will epitomize I'll still be here As strong as you And I'll walk away In spite of you Cool. Reaction? Well, I think it's good. I think you're right. It, it's one of those, uh, that, that particular song we have all the time in the world, it requires some sort of balance between pathos and, you know, it's, it's, it's this 
sort of balance between thinking that things are going to be all right and actually knowing they're not going to be. And, you you know, a singer needs to be able to deliver that. Okay, and thanks. I think it's a great yeah. choice. Uh, uh, in, in, interesting point as well. I hadn't actually thought about that, but you're right. Well, and again, the value in these uh, discussions is fans tend to lock in on something. Well, this is the way it has to be. It's always been this way. And no, in, in reality, what we got was the result of various um, choices made along the lines, and it could have gone off in this direction or that at any given point. It just, you know, it, so anyway, this shows, you know, just, you know, what's possible. And um, I mean, that was the point of the original, you know, David Arnold album. And uh, yeah, just, you know, Let's open it up. So, yeah, sounds good to me. I, I picked this uh, song last week when I first started talking to Paul about this, but uh, Mr. Murphy had a, a heart attack on, I think, Tuesday. So uh, uh, I want to wish him well. Yeah. 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 Um, Prophetic timing. Uh, yeah, he, he, I, I think he, he's, he seems to be doing well in hospital from, uh, hmm. from a, a statement issued by his management. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed he'll be back and performing soon. And maybe doing all the time in the world. <laughs> we can send him a copy of the podcast to listen Good to him and inspire. <laughs> I don't know. To my, to, yeah, to it's not sort of a musical style that I spend a lot of time thinking about listening to. But like, to me, the track that you played is a smash up of like David Bowie and Nick Cave. Yeah, right. It's um, he 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 was very influenced by Bowie. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, pre pre Nick Cave. So he's the bridge between the two of them, right? <laughs> well, um, I mean, Bauhaus have influenced all kinds of bands, you know, uh, and I can't think of any of the ones that I'm thinking of <laughs> off the top of my head. Nine, Nine Inch Nails is one of them that they've, they've cited. Um, let me think, who else? Loads, just trust me on that. No, I trust you. Um, and it's also interesting to think that, like, that formative time in your life, like, you still hold on to the, and you still see the, still listen to the music and still see it. Like, you know, that music is so important to us growing up as human beings and becoming adults that it, like, shapes our, you know, preferences. And yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I mean, the the, years yeah, those, those years, absolutely. Those years shaped my uh, musical, musical tastes forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I still still love that music. I mean, some of it I listen to and I think, what a load of old rubbish. How could I listen to that? But, uh, <laughs> but most of it, no, I had good taste. I'm glad you still think that myself. past David had good taste. <laughs> <laughs> it's present David you've got to watch out for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, we, we had um, – we, we, we had uh, we had somebody visiting from from Italy a few months ago, and uh, she, she was just going through all my my old vinyls, and she said, oh, yeah, "All these records, I don't I don't know any of the artists. What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that's one of the things is that like I don't. It's hard to discover new music, particularly when you're not sort of like amongst peers every day and being sort of like trying to fit into a crowd anymore and and so apple music and spotify and that sort of stuff have helped a lot in terms of like oh you listen to this but you might also listen to that and as a total aside i tend to listen to either two kinds of music like music that like drives me to do sort of banal work sort of like that keeps my energy and focus yep. up when i'm doing something that doesn't require a lot of concentration or something that requires a lot of concentration so that's when like the classical music and the film scores come out but yeah. because of the two diverse ranges like the for you playlist will be like a track of bouncy music and then a like a classical suite and it's really hard to pick the balance or listen to those those playlists from way to go because you're constantly like well i'm not in the mood for that i'm trying to discover a new like yeah. pop artist or do, do you know like i think spotify actually is pretty good with that because it it does categorize my musical taste because I, you know, I, I do listen to to classical. I, I listen to jazz, um, you know, and I listen to all, all, all my, my old post punk stuff and, and, and stuff like that. But it, it does, it does recognize that it's a different genre of music and you don't actually want to put it all in one single playlist. Mm. Yeah. There's a, there's a real danger of, of this kind of, you liked that. So you must like this. It, it, it it's a great algorithm in some ways because it kind of gives you these good suggestions, but it also narrows your field down and it sort of ignores a lot of the things that you might really be. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with, I, I agree with that as well. Yeah. 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 Sure. The best algorithm is to get on a podcast with your friends and make them suggest your music and the new artists. So thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Warren, shall we? Don't thank us yet. Right, okay. 
Warren, should we do uh, should we do another track from you? So my next artist, actually, I've been swaying between two different tracks, either having them do Live and Let Die or I had a bit of a brainwave just before I came on and I thought they would actually be really great for Where Is Everybody Gone? Um, you know the song from mm-hmm. Living Daylights, of course. So my suggestion for that is um, a bit of a cheat. Well, I guess a bit of a cheat because if I was going to have any artist that was not with us anymore or the one that I think is a shame that didn't ever record a song, I think it would be Queen. So my pairing would be Brian May and Kerry Ellis. Now, oh, yes. I recognise that you knew. Oh, you know Kerry Ellis? Yes, I have a musical theatre oh, dark really? past. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought that probably would be one I'd sneak in that no one would really know. So I've got an example lined up. But I think that you've got the, the two perfect pair, well, the perfect pairing there for Where Has Everybody Gone? Because obviously it's quite heavy on guitar and on that vocal as well. And she's got that big powerhouse vocal as well. So I think she, I think the two of them would be ideal for that song. Do you want to hear a little bit of, of yeah, them going? Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Yeah. This is them doing live, doing Defying Gravity. everyone's life easy according to the rules um, we'll just say you picked where is everyone gone so live and let die is still on the table if you want it oh absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> um, but yeah no you, I, I buy into this 100% so other people go yes. I, uh... I was going to say Queen uh, one of those bands that you know I immediately thought of um, and, and like Warren feels like it's a shame that they they, they didn't ever get a crack at um, doing doing a Bond theme Um yeah, and and obviously, sadly, won't won't be able to now. So, uh, from from Warren's suggestion, I think it's yeah. uh, it's a it's a cracking choice. Yeah, really good. I mean, you guys you guys know your Bond history better than, even than me. I mean, were Queen ever even in in the running or even Ooh. discussions at all? Does anybody know? I've never heard I've never heard anything that they were, but it seems crazy that they yeah. weren't ever even. Do you know, what? I, I've you know, I've, um, I've got an I've got an idea that somebody told me that they had been in consideration, but uh. I don't, I, at the moment, I just wouldn't count on that from me. They they were approached, uh, but unfortunately, Freddie had a cold and couldn't. I can't imagine Freddie wanting to do it, to be honest. But yeah. I mean, it may be that they were asked and they didn't want to do it. But uh, something about uh, Queen is like my my, my wife uh, always used to say, yeah, she didn't like Queen. She didn't like Queen. She didn't like Queen. So okay, uh, fine. But somebody bought us tickets about three years ago for a. a, a a concert just uh, about 20 minutes from here and it was an Argentinian cover band of Queen and they're basically doing their last ever concert and um, you know, and it's you know, it's all like it's almost move for move and so we went along to, to that and during the concert and she, she was she kept saying oh I didn't know Queen did this oh I didn't know Queen did that oh I didn't know Queen is this a Queen song 
and uh, so yeah <laughs> and uh, so uh, so after that I got home I got a, a Queen CD and stuck it in the car and we just played that that CD in, in the car the entire summer <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, does she only like the Argentinian cover band versions of Queen songs? <laughs> they, they were good. Or if you needed to trick her into going see it, he was like, "This this new guy called Adam Lambert. He's he's really new on the scene. You should come see him." <laughs> do you think when uh, when Queen got got approached to do um, the Bond thing, uh, they were like, "We will not stoop." to do this kind of lowbrow action <laughs> trash. Um, we're off to do a very uh, important historical movie about immortal swordsmen. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> because uh, that, that, that has much more artistic integrity from our perspective than the James Bond franchise. 100% more Brian Blessed. <laughs> well, that's what you need in a, in well, a good they, film. Maybe they said that they would only do one Sean Connery movie. And he's already he's already had one. Well, hang on, you guys you guys have got me curious. So I like went and grabbed my reference source. Let's see. I grabbed my copy of the music of James Bond by John Burlingame. And there is no reference to okay. in the uh, index. So, uh, Warren, ask that question again. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys are all James Bond experts. Were Queen ever approached? Uh, yeah, no, actually, uh, no, they they weren't uh, at any time. Um, I can confidently say. <laughs> Not according to the index of a book that we've just pulled off a shelf. Just five minutes. Hey, you know. hey Warren, you're, you're the Bond musical expert here. Do, uh, were Queen ever approached Sorry. to do a Bond theme? I don't believe they were, oh, no. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the only two cues listed in the index are Quantum of Solace and Killer ah. Mem- Memorandum The. So ah, there you go. So, so there you go. Okay, Bill, can you uh, can you help us with another track? Uh, yes. Um, although I admit this is going to be a little bit of tortured logic, when I first when we were first talking about this uh, podcast, I recalled, and this is something I've mentioned in at least one, maybe two episodes before, about how in 1965, Mad Magazine did a parody of a James Bond stage musical where all the songs are sung to songs from Oklahoma. I thought that would be great, and then like. Wait a minute, Hugh Jackman uh, did a stage production of Oklahoma. We'll have him do that song. Then I saw the rules, like, oh, no, no, can't do that. It's only songs that actually appeared in a James Bond movie. So then I thought, well, you know what? I'll stick with Hugh Jackman. And uh, so Hugh Jackman singing Thunderball. Okay. So I think he's got the uh, voice range to handle Thunderball. I don't know if he could hold the note as long as Tom Jones did. Oklahoma, when the wind comes sweeping down the plain, and the waving wheat can sure smell sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. Oklahoma, every night my honey lamb and I sit alone and talk and watch a hawk making lazy circles in the sky. We know we belong to the land, and the land we belong. When we say We're only saying you're doing fine Oklahoma Oklahoma Okay Well this is certainly making for an eclectic mix, isn't it? For the record, I still think be, I still think it would be better if we had uh, Hugh Jackman singing from that Mad Magazine parody. But you know, the rules are the rules. So, did anyone ever actually write music to that, or did they just <laughs> they just make it up? Well, no. What they did was they made up the lyrics. It's like all the songs in that parody are like based on songs in Oklahoma. So, so the writer, a guy named Frank Jacobs, like took the songs from Oklahoma and came up with new lyrics for the music so that that that's how those mad magazine parodies for songs worked so that's a top 40 album in itself bill we'll just release I, that i couldn't help but picture like 
Wolverine coming out of a cave um, in his little singlet top and just saying, oh, and I just I just thought that'd be. And he's not playing. Uh, he's not playing uh, Wolverine anymore, so he could probably use some spare change. Also, when we are producing this album, I just, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to see a, a musical number with Wolverine. That's, that's now my 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 key want. Awesome, awesome. He can probably tap dance as well, so that will add to the entertainment. Well, he's got a nice, like, rich kind of classical, or sorry, like, yeah, musical theory kind of voice. And I guess Thunderball does lend itself to that kind of, like, round vowels kind of noise. And that was my terrible Tom Jones impersonation. And it would be the first time, I think, that a, a, a singer had been previously considered for the role of Bond. Mm. That was in the back of my mind as well, yeah. He, he was in the conversation at some level. Oh, I think he. I think he was a serious contender at some point. I mean, never like officially uh, out there. I don't right. think, but certainly, certainly after Brosnan's departure, there was there was a lot of talk about him potentially being Bond. A lot of fans. Not many men who were, can were, pull off a singlet and a tuxedo in the same day. <laughs> no, uh, or at the same time, or at While the same time, dancing and singing. Yeah, and smoking yeah. a cigar. He's got it all. Missed missed opportunity there. He's a very talented Hearing him sing that, though, I can see why you'd go to Thunderball, but going off on a slight tangent, it just reminds me how difficult it is to recruit a male singer to do all the Bond songs in a concert because the styles and the sounds change so much across the male songs, even more so than the female ones, I think. To be able to sing something like Thunderball and then get someone to sing We Have All the Time in the World and Then You Know My Name as someone that does Bond concerts, it, it's an absolute nightmare to find someone that can do all of those songs. And I can see why you chose chose him, but you couldn't imagine him doing any of the other male songs for sure. No. Maybe from Russia with Love. Maybe from Russia with Love. Oh, yeah. From Russia with Love. Right? Yes. Okay. Ben, let's move on. Let's do a suggestion from you. Yeah, sorry. I'm just um, – I'm having, I'm having a moment because, obviously, uh, David and I have stolen each other's songs, which is, which is fantastic. Um, so I'm, I'm actually scratching my head now about which, which, which of my backups um, that I might, uh, I might potentially go with. Um, but I, I guess I'm going to go with the one that I've written down first. I guess that's a fair, it's a fair way to do it. Um, so the song is going to be Surrender yes. uh, by Katie Lang. And I, I genuinely love this song. Um, I think it, Absolutely, it was a missed, not missed opportunity. It was obviously was in the Bond film, but they uh, they should have they should have had this as the as the main theme. Uh, that's my opinion. Um, it tied. It comes back into what we were talking about before about having having the melody, the motif, working through uh, the rest of the score. It certainly does that in Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, the lyrics are actually about the song uh, about the film sorry about the you know the, the the character carver as well it ties in so it's it's properly connected i think it's uh, also a really great vocal performance by katie line i'm genuinely genuinely surprised that this didn't kind of go on the front and it's interesting as well because uh tomorrow never dies was one of those situations where they put the the, the song out to tender um i believe and quite a few uh, artists t- tried their hand at it, including Pulp and um, help me out here, guys. Who else was uh, did a? Well, Pulp is the only one I can think of. But I think there's there's probably f- three or four different bands that that kind of uh, threw in a, a a song for Tomorrow Never Dies. I just think this would have been Surrenders of just a really great track. Um, who would I have to sing it? And this isn't particularly controversial. I think in terms of vocal style, they're not dissimilar. And it's, I think this is, this is similar to what Bill was saying before, whereas this isn't really going to be a huge departure, more of like a cover. But I'd like to see Morrissey have a crack at it. Ooh. <laughs> and Morrissey's a, a controversial artist and I recognize that not everybody's cup of tea and particularly some of the things he said recently um, don't align with my political beliefs but yeah I've been a Smiths fan and a Morrissey fan for a long time don't really want to promote anything he's doing at the moment 
but I think he's a he's a he's a good fit for this particular song. Once again, um, thanks to my partner for uh, helping me choose the the Morrissey song that would would most fit. It's a it's a sort of a similar vocal performance, I suppose, and I just thought it would, it would be a nice way to balance. Yeah, the, the Smiths is a band I've never been able to stick. I, I know loads of people who love them, uh, including my wife, actually, and, but uh, I've, I've never got on with them. Uh, I, I've actually I've actually preferred Morrissey's solo stuff. Um, but I still, I, I, I don't love it. And, and yeah, and also, yeah, you need to separate the, the, the performer, uh, from his art, uh, you know, what, what he says politically, yeah, it's, uh, problematic. I, but, I agree. Uh, it's- yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I've got no, yeah, I've got no problem with you, you picking him, uh, as an artist either. No, I, I, I do agree with you. It's sometimes it's very difficult to separate artists from their art. And it's a it's a topic that um, comes up in conversation quite a lot for me. Um, and yeah, I think sometimes sometimes you uh, you can you kind of have to like I don't know. It's 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 there's two sides to this argument, and I I think it's very difficult to kind of completely ignore. Um, what you've what you've grown up with, how it's connected to you, um, with how you've developed um, your line of thinking, your your political persuasions, etc. Um, there's there's so much of the Smiths in my growing up that it's very difficult to kind of completely kind of cut that out. I understand that completely, Ben. It, it, it's part of your DNA. It, uh, I, I, yeah, I, um, a lot of my favourite bands are, uh, are like that with me, and you know, luckily. And none of them has uh, started spouting off like Morrissey, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd just say I completely agree with you about Surrender. I, I, I'd say it's actually one of the best. Um, it would have been one of the best title songs in in the series if they put it at the front of the film. It certainly, it's got to be the best song in the Pierce Brosnan area, era, hasn't it? I completely agree with you, Warren. I think it's uh, yeah, it's it's um, one of my favourite tracks. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't talk about the song choice, did I? But um, I, I, I think so too. I, I think the the, the main um, title for for it is, is pretty weak, and uh, yeah, this would have been a better choice. I was about to say, I would concur. It's uh, better than the title song. That was a, again, that goes back to how the title song is more a marketing thing than a film thing. Um, I think if you were going, what was best for the film? you would have surrender at the top of the film, top of the movie. No, I'd say, I think if David Arnold had written surrender a film or two down the line, I think maybe they would have been more confident to throw their um, weight behind him. It's a little bit like um, when John Barry first came in, it took them a couple of films before they fully backed him and gave him the score and the song. And I wonder if that was the case with David Arnold, they were a bit uncertain um, about, giving him the whole the whole train set to play with maybe 
Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah. I think also the artists and the uh, marketability played a factor. Not not that KD Lang was bad at, by any means; she was great. Um, but I'm yeah. just thinking that Cheryl Crow may have been viewed as the more marketable artist by the powers that be. Yeah, and and Cheryl Crow's track isn't awful um, by any means. I, I actually quite quite like it. It's just not as good as Surrender, and that's kind of it. Just seems sort of strange to, to have done it that way but I, I agree with bill i think it is a it's a primarily a, a marketing decision but warren by, by the same token you you're right do do you give every like you throw the whole uh as you say train set at them and yeah. it's quite it's, it's a big risk so I, I get it i'm not even sure what david arnold's credentials were when he came to bond other than having done the shaken and stirred album <laughs> um he whether done, he was He'd done Young Americans. Independence Day. Um, he'd, he'd done Independence. Yeah, he, he'd, he'd done. Um, I think he'd done Independence. He, he'd also there was there was uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the film. It was a science fiction film. Um, Stargate. Stargate. Yeah. Yeah. I think and and uh, Bjork's play Dead. So it wasn't a risky choice, right? Is is quite a quite a strong song, um, which he he wrote with her. Um, it's got quite a Bondian vibe to it. Would people agree with that? That it's got a, got a, maybe that sort of a bit of bombast to it that that has sort of Bondian overtones. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, You're talking about surrender. So I don't think he was. Yeah. No, I was talking talking about uh, Play Dead, which is the song that he did with Bjork uh, for. Um, I think it was Young Americans. I think it was a movie that he'd done, um, and that that's quite a strongly kind of orchestral release and i uh, you know the, the track's got quite a, a strong orchestral hook to it so i thought that was that would have been another good calling card for for him uh, to be a to be the bond composer but yeah clearly he he's uh he was the right man for the yeah, job absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah i didn't mean to yeah. well ask my question in an impertinent kind of way but i just didn't know what his I hadn't heard of him before he started composing Bond themes, and then. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I wouldn't say he was probably like heavily on the radar, but um, yeah. So I think in in some senses, I love the fact that he went out and did that album. This is what I want to do, and sometimes you've got to be proactive, and it's great for all of us that he 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 did. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think the work he's done for the series has been brilliant. Yeah, and uh, I, I was disappointed that he's not coming back. All right, shall we move on to a suggestion from David? It's me again. Uh, right, so I went, uh, first of all, for somebody, an artist who I followed for, well, decades now. Uh, and so now I'm going to go uh, to much closer uh, to our current time. And um, it's somebody, she, she's an indie uh, indie kind of dream pop artist, um, she, uh, I think she's from Portland or somewhere in the, in the States. And um, I, I can't really remember how uh, how I first heard of her, but um, I, I just loved her album when it came out about three years ago, and it's uh, one that I keep returning to. And it, it, the artist is Ale- Alexandra Savia, and um, she, she was produced by um, Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys, or should say co-produced because it's also um, uh, her album was produced co-produced by the Arctic Monkeys usual producer as well James Ford I think and um, it's just you know just really really good uh, voice she she I believe she first came she first got a, a record deal because she was doing Adele covers on YouTube and so uh, she was uh, signed to one of the big uh, labels I can't remember which at the moment she's kind of got this uh, excellent voice which is quite retro but um, you know kind of modern at the same time uh, which is very very good and I, w- I actually picked three different songs for her because I wanted to include her in this uh, so much uh, really really rate her and uh, so one of them was Diamonds Are Forever uh, that was the first choice which has been knocked out because she was doing Adele covers. I did think of a Skyfall as well, but uh, in fact, I'm instead I'm going to go for "You Only Live Twice." The song of hers, which uh, which I want to play, is called uh, "Mystery Girl," and it's um, 
awesome, awesome track. I love it. forever than that case but you know you know live twice is a good backup too yeah i hope so i was going to say skyfall as well i can i could definitely hear us doing skyfall as well as i say i, I did consider it but uh and i wasn't sure which one i was going to go for just now uh uh but in the end uh i prefer you only live twice so uh, i went that way but if you want me to change it to skyfall i can <laughs> <laughs> no no that's okay D- does it bugger anyone up if it does, I'm keeping it. <laughs> I think given the time, we might not make it through uh, three three picks, but uh, we can, can reconvene and uh, make the make the long play version of the of the album a bit later on. And I'm going to like go go explore some of your musical suggestions in the next uh, next few days. I'm always on the hunt for. And it's it's funny to think that people can go from being YouTube stars to album makers these days things have changed yeah i mean that's that's the story (laughs) i I don't know whether it's true or not to be honest but uh you know you you never know with these things but that's yeah and and also nice to hear that you know she can branch out from you know a sort of almost like a a cover style of you know molding herself in in a particular way to being quite unique if you hadn't said to me oh well i was thinking of considering her for skyfall i wouldn't have gone oh she's obviously just another adele yeah Yeah. she's got quite yeah quite quite different to to adele which yeah, you know, I, I don't. I don't think Adele's a bad singer, but uh, I like like Sam Smith. I, I think that uh, a lot of the mu- her music is overproduced, which uh, I think is a, it's a shame. Thing is, a, a lot of artists, well, all artists, start out by covering and singing other people's work, and it's from that they then form their own. There's nothing more irritating than going on a YouTube video and seeing someone like that doing a cover of a. I don't know Adele song or whatever, and someone going on saying, "Oh, it's it's rubbish." You know, should nothing like Adele. You know, these people have to use these covers as a way to develop their own sound, and and it's taking all that's gone before. Yeah, no, absolutely, because yeah, because you, um, it, it's not only the singing, but it's also it's deconstructing songs mm. so that you can work out how to write your own. There's, isn't there's it? a lot of social media now criticism in that way like social media is over everything i know but you know see that a lot when people put up covers of stuff and they get absolutely slaughtered for it because you know it's sacrilege to the original god knows i've been on the end of it um a lot of times but you know it's it all of these people started out by singing somebody else's song and they're growing up and they're developing their skill and that's how a new sound is created yeah, I, I was on um, on on Instagram the the other day, and um, I, I found a, a girl, and um, from from what from what she was saying, she she's still at school, so I, I don't know, maybe maybe fifteen, sixteen, and every day she does a, a guitar solo, a different guitar solo, and it, it's it's uh, quite impressive. Wow, I mean. Yeah, yeah, re- re- really, really good, and uh, yeah, she, she she's she's got real 
she's got real talent she can play so uh there's nothing wrong with her doing uh covers and you know churning them out like that like clockwork every day uh is is not something to to criticize uh, either you know it's uh, it's not easy to do no, that absolutely and to your point, Warren, it's like it's impossible to imagine that if you go on YouTube that you're literally going to – and you, you choose to watch somebody's cover. If your main complaint is it's not like the original, I think you've missed the point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, you know, you'll get somebody who who'll, they'll, they'll either criticize it because it's not like the original or because it is like the original. Yeah. Well, there's two types of covers, isn't there? There's one where you're trying <laughs> you to win. be like the original and there's one where you're – trying not you know you're trying to put your twist on it and yeah and then that case usually you can't win no 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 absolutely i i do understand why people have that reaction though like when you hear the you you know a song so well that you'd kind of like know exactly how this the studio album sounds and then when your favorite band goes and plays that live and you're like but it's not it's it's got different momentum to it they pause in the wrong yeah. places and they sing different words and you you have to divorce that part of your brain that's gotten so used to the rhythm and the routine it's not the right song guitar. a thousand times yeah i think a lot of the time those musicians they change it up don't they they get bored of doing it the same way over and over and over again so they do change it up but i agree i mean if you go and see these guys 20 years down the line you want to hear the songs played how you know them don't you but they're probably fed up of playing it the same way all right, well, we've got uh, what, eight tracks on our – is that enough for an EP? <laughs> we, can, we can come back later and flesh it out into a full album. So thank you, everyone, for your suggestions and for sharing your music. Thanks for uh, sharing your tracks and talking about James Bond music with me, and we'll chat to you in a week. Yeah, thanks for having me this, this week, guys. It's been really entertaining, and I can't wait to uh, do this all again soon. Now, normally we have a bit of a tradition on this podcast of playing out to a particularly bad cover of a James Bond song or a James Bond-inspired song. But this week, in honor of Warren being here, I thought we would play one of his covers. So this is Cue the Music playing on A Majesty's Secret Service. Enjoy! Enjoy!